Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Blast from Our Past Network. Welcome back to Why This Film, the podcast where we reach back into your childhood, pluck out a movie, rewatch it, and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade, and welcome back. You watched it so many times before, and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it, and now you show it to your friends, and they're like, What? What am I watching? Why? The- what? Is what? This? Why? Why this film? And today I'm joined by Nadia. Hello. Hi there. And your chosen movie, am I saying this right? Is it Ronya the Robber's Daughter? Yes, I think in English that's the correct title. <laughs> and what's the Swedish title? Um, well, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to attempt it because I'm, I'm German, not Swedish. Um, and in German, I mean, when I first saw it, it to me it was called Ronja Reubertochter, which is the ah. German title. Oh, okay, that's cool. But it, it's a Swedish film, isn't it? Yes. And yes. did you see it with German dub? or in Swedish yes um it it was actually quite interesting re-watching it because I do love the Swedish language but when I watched it as a child it was dubbed um as most films were in my childhood um so it was it was kind of fun to actually get the original sound re-watching it that's really cool um, so the IMDb breakdown, one of many that I've picked, is that Ronya is born on a stormy night, the daughter of the chief of a band of robbers, Mattis, and his woman, Lovis. Her life revolves around learning to cope in the beautiful but dangerous wilderness surrounding their home. One day, a rival band of robbers run by Borka move in a bit too close for comfort, and Ronya befriends Borka's son, Burke, as the conflict between the two chiefs escalate. Um, why this film? Well, there's so many reasons uh, why this is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, I'm actually, first thing I'm going to tell you is not like all the rational reasons, but simply when I rewatched it last week in preparation for this, and I actually, I hadn't watched it in about 10 years and I just switched it on. I just heard the like starting music and I already like, my heart was filled with joy and it was just like this play a place of kind of safety and freedom and um i guess to me the movie completely symbolizes everything that was good about my childhood like all the fond memories i have um and my family has a strong kind of emotional connection to Sweden not in any terms of relation but we used to spend all the family summer holidays in Sweden actually Um, we would be in that nature and at a lake and spend basically four weeks every summer just being outside and being in Swedish nature so I guess I really relate to that as well that's so awesome because yeah most of this is just outside in Sweden and it's gorgeous um did you find that it was a complete nostalgic pool that you could just dive into there wasn't anything as an adult that you were like oh that's interesting or that you saw in a different light at all um yeah there there were a few things because I guess what actually really struck me is 
how much I, I kind of grabbed my value system from uh, stories like that. I mean, it was something my mother really believed in as well. And now, of course, I have a bit more of a like conscious, aware um, view on kind of all the wisdom that is in, in those stories and all the different themes that are touched upon. And of course, as a child, for example, I didn't think about feminism or anything like that or about you know is a man allowed to cry or, or these sort of topics and I think it's it's just written into those stories so seamlessly and so with so much heart and love um, yeah I'd actually be quite interested um, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you a question but um, you hear what how it was for you because obviously this is not a film that English kids would have seen when they were small not at all so how did you feel about it, of watching it first time as an adult? I absolutely adored it because it's weirdly quite... It, it has elements that are very similar to a lot of sort of British tales, that sort of like running off into the forest and all of these sort of mythological creatures and like that's that's the sort of Britain that I love. I grew up in the countryside, I ran around in the forests a lot, that was really lovely. Um, it's filmed because it's 80s it feels so 80s as well and I love that like lots of sort of animatronic puppety sort of creatures it's very fantastical as well as being um, this really sweet story of like acceptance and understanding it um, it was a lot longer than I thought it was gonna be it was two hours but um, no I thought it was like I want I want more of it. I I was like, how has this not been remade? Why was it not dubbed and shown in England? And like, maybe it was, maybe it was dubbed and shown in America because it seems to be quite a big, well-known story and it's been adapted quite a lot, just not in English. Um, yeah, it's actually really interesting because um, when I moved to England, uh, I kind of like, you know, you start noticing uh, that you have different childhood um, references when you talk to friends or when English friends talks amongst each other and they're like have this inside joke about some series everyone knew and I'm like I don't know um, and um, in in Germany those stories are actually really really big like Astrid Lindgren she the author um, who also wrote the screenplay adaption she she is basically a kind of like a hero of of mums in Germany and she won lots of kind of literature prizes in Germany, interestingly. Yeah. And um, I mean, her works have been translated, uh, what did I read, into 95 languages and language varieties. So yeah. there's so much there. But something even more interesting, like for us as, as actors that I read up on, and I was like, wow, I have to research into that. Apparently, she also wrote quite a few of like children's theatre plays, and they've never been translated. Really? So, at least not into English. So yeah. I was like, wow, someone should translate them. They'd be amazing. So, really? yeah. I would be so up for that. Do that. <laughs> Do that. Well, I need to find someone uh, who speaks Swedish or learn yeah. Swedish then. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you'll pick languages up quicker than I could. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, 
and I grew up kind of with all of her stories. I mean, I guess a lot of people did, but maybe it was more special for me as well, because my mom was actually really strict on us not watching a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. And they were only really specific things we were allowed to watch. Like I wasn't allowed to watch any cartoons or any of that. So the only thing was like Astrid Lindgren stories. And, um, and that was like the highlight that we could watch like a two hour film together and uh, my mum would read them the books to us as well so it's it's got a lot to do with like kind of like the motherly love I guess for me as well definitely so was uh, Ronya just one book or was it a series of books that was one of the books that was just one story one novel um she's also written a different series children's book series like Pippi Longstockings which is also quite famous um Longstockings yeah (laughs) god I know yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and and also um well uh, in Swedish it's called Emil Ilöneberger which in German weirdly was translated the name was changed from Emil into Michael so it was called Michael from Lönneberger which is all these like stories and adventures this little boy goes on and he's basically really mischievous a bit like Ronya as well so it's it's basically kind of like these loving stories about misbehaving children and how they're kind of growing as people from not always doing what the adults say yeah um which is so nice and those stories usually were divided up quite nicely into chapters so my mum would read a chapter every night which was quite nice (laughs) yeah um it's so beautiful this movie and i it's got a really magical quality like um similar things we would have had in britain would have been like the children of green no or the sorcerer's apprentice um that that sort of like british tv show that was always like practical effects like set in a forest um it just felt, you're absolutely right, like I'd never watched it before and I felt like I was coming home because it was so familiar in terms of its aesthetic and its story. Um, but there were some stark differences that you would not see in British media. And um, it's it, it's so funny, the children swear, like I don't know if it was the same in the German or Swedish translation, but in the English translation it was coming up as like shit and bastard and like yeah. she says damn you a lot and I was like yeah and uh interestingly I think um because I used to have it on dvd but that dvd is some, somewhere in Germany so I couldn't access it so we watched the same version that's online and I think that if that might even be the cut version because oh. they did a cinema release um that was kind of more tame and then they they released a TV version where um, there's a bit more violence as well. Yeah. And um, and it's a bit more brutal in terms of like when the harpies attack. I think yeah. um, language wise, like Sweden and Germany have never been too bothered. About yeah, that. that's what I felt. You could you could see the sort of um, censorship rules and how they differ in each country because. It like it made complete sense that this girl would use this language, but I was watching it as like a this is a children's movie, and I was like bloody hell! Like you don't get like the worst we got was bloody hell in like the Philosopher's Stone, mm-hmm. um, when Ron Weasley told Harry Potter to piss off 
that was the first children's movie I think that we were all like yeah yeah <laughs> also there's a bit where they all run out into the snow the um, naked nakedness completely naked just a bunch yeah. of grown adult men completely naked and I was like this completely makes sense I'm cool with it but you would not see that in a normal movie, let alone like a kid's movie. I was like, this is so good. It just really shows you how much more relaxed and understanding and mature like Europeans are to the British. Like, I was like, yeah. this is what's good. I think there's a, yeah, there's kind of like a grounding and relaxedness to it. That is also something that I, kind of miss living here mm -hmm. um uh, but uh, at the same time i guess it's always also kind of you feel nostalgic about what you know i guess yeah. um yeah. even though i'm not saying uh, my parents used to run around naked in the snow <laughs> um, they are german and lots of people think germans do that but my parents didn't <laughs> It's just, it's like a, a, just a much more adult approach to life. Like what's important, like nudity in humans is not a thing we need to worry about because it's a completely ordinary thing. It's normalizing things that are ordinary, but for some reason the British were like, we've decided that this is wrong and sinful mm -hmm. and therefore we're not going to put it in our movies and we're going to punish anyone that does do it in our movies or whatever. Um, there's a lot of singing in this movie. And I think I read that the, all the actors that they employed yes. to be able to like sing professionally because um, it's lovely. It's just this, you really get the vibe of this like tribe of people yeah. who just, it was very sort of Beowulf-y. Uh, they all live yeah. in this sort of castle and they all like have feasts every night and, um, have a sing song and it's just really really lovely with like a roaring fire yeah i find that aspect of it so wholesome as well that kind of like community thing and just kind of like the joy of it and also one of the songs where the other robbers kind of sing about the 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 chief and then he starts getting upset until he realizes they are actually singing about the enemy and it's just that kind of fun thing and also after they run back in from the snow um they they say oh well because uh, their clothes are being washed they have to actually wear what they've stolen from all these like noble ladies mm -hmm. so they're actually in drag so they're all putting on the women's clothes and yeah. it's it, it's kind of like it's it's very progressive like for an 80s children's story and i put it down to it being not british or american because i was like we have men crying uh we have strong family bonds and like um male daughter relationships that aren't twisted or broken in any way we have um the men in drag and like enjoying it and like singing it and like uh people cheering them on and no one's no one says they're just like what clothes are left oh these women's clothes cool yeah <laughs> um that they all rush out into the snow nude. They all like, because, because you're like the, the woman, like it would have been nice to have seen more women in it, but then it yeah. would have taken away from the character of Lovis, who is this like, I mean, the first way she's described is like, stay here and look after Lovis. And he's like, do you mean if anyone attacks Lovis, I should look after the criminal who's attacking her? Because like, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. than all of you. Um, so I guess if you had other women, it would take away her sort of character. But um, still, but but like you really got the sense that it was a like shared ruling of the robbers like it wasn't the robber chief and his woman as it's so often referred to you mm. can see that very much so like that was an equal footing uh from both tribes as well which was lovely um and yeah and she she also kind of like she she was kind of telling him what's happening quite a few times as well. Even the night, um, in the beginning of the movie, the night where Ronya is born. So she's in labor and she's kind of singing to calm herself down. And it's this, like you get the whole spirit of, of, of this man, like he's this strong man, but he's quite helpless in the situation. Yeah. There's a storm and his child is being born and he's quite overwhelmed and like from the start, they show him at, at the same time as vulnerable as well as strong. Yeah. Which I really love. Definitely. And like he unashamedly cries. He like, and it, it makes you, as he's like a fully rounded human being, it makes you care. I'm not even going to lie. Like there's um, a bit in the film where they've managed to kidnap the, the boy, uh, Burke, of the opposing robber tribe. And they're, they're basically using him as ransom where they're like, you get out of our castle or we'll like kill and keep your son forever. Um, so Ronya is an absolute badass and leaps over the turrets to the other side of the castle to be held as hostage on their side. Um, I literally wrote, yes, Ronya. Um, and then he turns around and they're like, cool. So we've got your child, you've got our child. Let's just switch now. Mm. And he's like, you can have your child back, but you can keep that one because I don't have a child. And I yeah. gasped out loud. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You? oh my God. And like, it was really sad. And then the mother, yeah. of course, was like, uh, this moron may not have a child, but I do. And you will be returning her right now. Um, and I liked it because it didn't, it didn't drag or dwell on anything. It just it was paced so well like they could have if it was made today and it was made in america that scene would have lasted about 20 fucking minutes and they would have like threatened yeah. each other's yeah. children and like blah 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 but they just held the hostages they did the thing they switched them back boom done let's move on because there's more important things yeah and um actually um in terms of kind of themes, what really struck me re-watching it with the whole, the thing with the fa father as well, but also actually in the children when they're first meeting and fighting, it's that whole pride and competition against kind of love and collaboration mm -hmm. topic going on um, throughout the entire story arc. And, and um, a lot, they're all quite stubborn characters, which I also like. Yeah. Uh, so they're kind of virtuous in, in some ways, but they're all really flawed as well. And it's not like, oh, there's this one hero and, oh, ooh, or, you know, they, they defeat the evil other robbers. No, in the end, the two robber bands, they actually collaborate mm -hmm. no, because um, they've realized, actually, we've got more in common than um then the reasons we should fight each other and Absolutely. that's just kind of so nice and yeah wholesome again <laughs> so lovely that like on the surface you think this is going to be sort of romeo and juliet because it's two uh, yeah. children of opposing tribes coming together but no one 
that's not already old and sick has to die. Um, there's no sort of uh, huge bloodshed. Um, it's just very much like they have like one small fight, but really it's like it's more for um, appearances sake than anything else. Because by that point, they've already pretty much decided like this is just what's going to happen, um, which is really lovely. I love all of the different creatures that like dwell yeah. in the forest. There's yeah. like those weird little Muppet things that are just constantly. And that, yeah, and they, they, we used to like imitate them as children, like okay. all the time. We'd go, like, uh, of, of course, we'd go in Germany, go, we saw, we saw their clues, we saw their clues. And we'd like walk around the house and drive our parents crazy because yeah. it was like, the most fun thing to do. Literally, and, I was watching it and I was like, this is so playable to have these little creatures that live underground. They're not threatening, they're just a bit dozy. And all they say about everything is like, why, why is the girl in the ceiling? Why is she screaming? Why is there another person screaming? Why, 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 why? <laughs> this is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's really lovely and, to have creatures that are non-threatening because then you sort of go up the scale of like how threatening the creatures are. Yeah, and the kind of like the grey trolls as well. I, it, It's kind of, I mean, it's not quite the same, but... Um, it kind of made me realize, oh, that's why, like, in Harry Potter, when I started reading that, the Dementors felt kind of familiar, because um, when her father tells her how to protect herself from the, the kind of grey trolls gnomes, um, it, it, he says, oh, um, they're not dangerous if you're not afraid of them. Just kind of like the idea of the, the fear always feeding the danger, which... Um, I think it's very topical anyways, um, yeah. always. Um, but it's just kind of like, if you don't feed the fear, you can't be defeated by them. Which is um, so lovely. And it's such a good lesson in like adulthood and like bravery. And and it also means that there is a way to overcome them. Um, so they're the sort of next ones up. They're these sort of like bustling, almost small bear-like creatures that are grey and... Um, they all, they're always surrounded by like mist and stuff. And um, there's one yeah. bit where she like gets almost dragged into the underworld. Oh yeah, that's really dark actually. Yeah. Um, I remember that that bit was always very scary to me because it's like she loses consciousness and it's almost like like a siren song or something like that. Yeah. So so the fog comes and she hears these voices and she, she doesn't seem to quite remember what happened afterwards because uh, obviously the boy, uh, Birk, he saves her um, because he doesn't seem to be kind of um, drawn in by the voices. So he kind of gets her on, on, the, on the rope and just kind of pulls her out. And then afterwards, she's a bit like, oh, you know, why are you so close to me? Yeah. Uh, or something like that. And, and he just basically saved her life. But I do think, I, I thought about that moment. I was like, I think she knows. I think she knows he just saved her life, but she's like kind of embarrassed about it. So she's like, why are you so good? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's the sort of, there's no visible monster. It's just a sort of marshland with lots of fog seeping out of the floor and the fog starts getting thicker and thicker. And there's this sort of eerie female music, as you said. Um, and it's, she's not, there's no pit. There's no sort of hole that we're watching her walk into. It's just don't follow the voices you'll 
be sucked into the underworld and you won't come back. And we've been warned that if you fall into the Hellmouth, that's it. There's no coming back. Mm -hmm. um, I can imagine, I would have been utterly terrified as a child because there's no visual threat. There's just this idea that she's getting closer and closer to. Um, and that's really scary. Uh, the harpies are really scary. They're almost... Are they actresses who have had like, because the mouths when they move look human and painted, but then they've got almost like a bird cap over the top half of their face. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't look up if, if they used actresses for all of those. I know they, they, I think they used some for some of them because uh, that's one of the things why I thought, oh, I think this is the cut version because actually when they kind of once come down and, and, grab at her um i remember that i saw a version where it was kind of much more brutal and you could actually kind of fully see the female breasts and nipples and that kind of thing and that seems to have been kind of cut, cut out you have like small moments of that in the version yeah. we saw um but it's it's um it, i think in in the like extended version it's much more this this kind of visceral female clawing uh, power and and much more um, yeah that you can actually see it's quite human which is probably what makes them scary in a way as well this is the thing I think I wanted more of that because they're there at the very opening it's a great opening it's like this massive thunderstorm and all of these what look like sort of peregrines and falcons are like circling around this castle during the storm but they're shrieking and they're being like she will be born she's gonna be born oh the storm is so bad but they just look like birds. So I was like, oh, they're like, maybe they're witches in disguise as birds or maybe just the birds talk in this world. I don't know. And then he's like, go away harpies. And I was like, harpies? Maybe harpies are different in Sweden to how they are here. But then what you've just described is what a harpy looks like. So they clearly had made them look like harpies. They just, yeah, cut it. Cause it's like naked woman. <laughs> Can't have that. Yeah. So, um, I, I looked up kind of the meaning of harpies and I mean there's this whole like Greek mythology thing about them and apparently what I thought was quite interesting that depending on some cultures, pictures and writings, some people kind of thought that they were very beautiful dangerous women whereas some stressed the ugliness of them. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of interesting how, how that divides apparently and also apparently their meaning which goes with the storm is um a half human half bird personification of storm winds oh, so cool. and 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 storm winds of course i think is like nature's metaphor for change as well mm. and it's like her birth and and then they come back when it's autumn and they know um kind of like ooh, we're gonna have to decide what what happens in winter are we gonna stay in the cave and and risk freezing to death or are we gonna go back to our parents who mm -hmm. um we don't agree with basically yeah. it's so interesting i i have to say i th i was waiting for more of a showdown between the harpies and ronya because they seemed like they were out to get her. They seemed like they prophesied that she would bring about change. I didn't really know how they felt about it, but they kept coming back in an attempt to kill her every now and then, but only very briefly, and then they'd sort of run off again. 
So I was waiting for her to be confronted by like the Queen of the Harpies and have to like solve solve a riddle or they would like kidnap someone or something like that. But it never really happened. They were just sort of there within the story, which was nice. I think I just wanted more because I was like, they're cool and scary. Yeah, and I think there's a bit more to that in the book, but I have to admit, like, I, I don't have the book here, so I, I couldn't, like, read it, and I did watch the movie more often than I <laughs> read the book, so it's very kind of, that version is very present with me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I still think for, like, such a reasonably kind of long children's story, it struck me as I watched it again because I was like, oh, this is quite long. I don't remember it being that long. But then I started watching it and it was like, it, I, it wasn't bored for a second. It was over um, so quickly just uh, because I always get so engaged with the story, even now. Yeah. I'm just like, whoa, because also the, the cinematography is just beautiful mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just the landscapes the editing is actually really well done as well with how the nature and the people the the, the balance of it mm -hmm. and the kind of respect and love for both the people the animals the the plants um and and all of that and i think uh, they really created something back then that really was something that Astrid Lindgren wrote and it was not one of those um you know where it's like yeah we'll kind of make the story our own yeah. um and when I researched um kind of a bit more into the the actors and all of that um because I of course I didn't do that when I watched it as a child I just enjoyed it I actually was quite struck by how famous all of these actors were in Sweden at the mm. time. So they actually had a really high class cast. Um, they were partly part of the like Royal National Theatre's uh, rep company and stuff like that. Um, and um, were like working with um, Ingmar Bergman and, and like uh, all, all of these kind of big names. And, and yes, a lot of them, every actor I looked up, like some of them I couldn't find any info on mm -hmm. uh, uh, because probably they're either not actors anymore or just, you know, it was the time before the internet when they, when they, were, they were having their career um, partly. But then, um, yeah, the ones I found, I, I got one, piece of surprising kind of information about everyone. I was like, oh, these people all have such interesting lives. Like the girl who played Bronya, she ended up being a member of parliament in Sweden later on. No and way. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, Birk, the boy, um, he's a journalist now. And, oh. um, and um, you know, the father, Matis, he was a, a famous actor. And um, some of the other ones, I. Uh, don't want to say anything wrong but like some of them uh were like um heads of theater companies and uh one of the robbers was like when i looked him up apparently he was a massive like musical star and and all these sorts of things and i was like wow that is quite cool and they all got together for this project and just really kind of you can feel they all really believed in it as well it, yeah. it, there's no not even a hint of like patronizing yeah and that's what I've really loved about her writing as well. All of her stories are, I feel, 
fit for children, but they also actually expose children to things they need to be exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't overprotect the children. Yeah. Uh, there is scary stuff in there and uh, it deals with difficult topics like grief and mourning and stuff like that but it is done in such a caring way uh, that you that it just feels healing more than threatening definitely i really felt that i felt that it was a passion project from people that cared about the source material it, it did feel like they'd made an effort it felt like it was a um a big I guess like blockbuster it felt like it was the summer movie almost even if they sort of didn't have them back then it felt like a the summer movie like oh they've adapted the beloved children's classic with some of the top class actors like I really did feel that and I think that's another reason why I loved it so much because as she's leaving the house for the first time he's like don't fall in the river and she's like well what do I do if I do and he's like swim and then he's like don't do this and she's like well what happens if I do that and he's like well you're gonna have to learn not to and don't fall in the hell mouth what do I do if I do that oh you'll die so don't do that and she's like okay I won't do that and it's like actually with that I like wrote out some little quotes that I really love and and you just mentioned the part where he the father says take care you don't fall into the river and then you see her later actually going out and then the old man says to her my heart and pride and joy where are you going and she says I'm going to watch out to not fall into the river and he says where are you doing that and she says well by the river otherwise there'd be no point (laughs) and it's just this whole kind of like yes no know what's dangerous but also you're going to have to take risks to be alive and to just do things um i was also um um when, when the two children live together in the cave i kind of laughed out loud when the boy says i was thinking of getting some fresh water and she says well thinking doesn't get us anywhere <laughs> you either get it or you don't basically um and it's just these kind of little sharp wisdoms that are like yeah actually good point and they're kind of good motivators and actually reminders that I still find very useful to my own life now Mm -hmm. um where I feel like yeah actually um she's so right and um yeah I it it's just um I I did watch this whenever he watched it last week with my partner and he like he saw it as well as a child but um he didn't have it like as much as me and he just started laughing um when we were watching it and I was like why are you laughing and I and and he just looked at me and was like I can see why you like this movie and why you identified with her so much like because obviously she's this like dark haired dark eyed like a child really big hair which I had as well as a child and just kind of like I think she is who I wanted to be as a child because I was much more shy and I was a bit more obedient, but she was kind of like, she, she gave me the inner feeling of, yes, I want to be like her. And when we got a cat, we actually named the cat Ronya. Um, so it definitely like she left um, an, an, an impression and we felt, yeah, a, a cat that has her own mind. It's a fitting name kind of thing. It's so good. I really want to read the book now. And yeah, she's like, she's like the perfect role model for children. Not like anything I think I've ever come across, especially as a a girl. Like you'd get that sort of character male 
a lot in British literature, but you'd never get it. The closest you get is probably George from the Famous Five, and even then it's like nowhere near as interesting because they never fought actual monsters. They just fought, fought like criminals or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and again, in terms of like strong girls and women, which are always there in her story, but never like on the nose. It's mm. just there. It's just the reality. Um, like in, in Pippi Longstockings, um, I think... Uh, uh, someone uh, warns her about and says he's the strongest man in the world and she says man yes uh, but I'm the strongest girl in the world uh, <laughs> which is which is just you know um, to, to, to be doing that at the time she did it mm -hmm. um, and yeah I what I find quite amazing as well is that she started writing quite late in her life I think she was like in her late 30s um when she so she was writing kind of like to entertain her own children yeah uh, it's it started and and then she became the kind of the most popular children's book writer um and i mean she was like really famous in her lifetime she was in her mid 90s when she died and um the, like the the swedish royal family was at her funeral it was like a state Aww. funeral it was like um, she was so massive and I think she just, yeah, she just represents the soul of everything that's kind of good about Sweden. Um, one of the kind of best quotes where, uh, th that she, I think she said this in a speech, is where she said, give the children love, more love and still more love and the common sense will come by itself. Oh, and so I think... Yeah, just perfect. So, um, yeah, it's it's just something that really I I can always go back to and still enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not only enjoying it for nostalgic reasons. Of course, that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also still find the stories quite valuable and um, yeah, nice. And now I get some of the jokes that are actually kind of more adult jokes um, that are kind of woven in there a little bit. Yeah. So it's it's just fun. Yeah. No, I really loved it. it and it, I love fantasy and I don't get put off by like practical effects. Um, and I worry that if you're not necessarily... But it's not just... Fa it's, it's set in this sort of vague fantasy realm, but not really. Not, not, not ridiculously so. Not like... It's just sort of like the countryside that has foxes, badgers and pixies as opposed to like a full-blown fantasy realm. But um, definitely check it out if you haven't because it's on YouTube. You can watch it with English subtitles. Um, and it's just, it's so charming doesn't even do it justice. Like it is charming, but it's also clever and mature and heartwarming and... Um, responsible and it's really thoughtful and just really really fun just really lovely just stick it on in the background like it really is just lovely I really really enjoyed it thank you so much for suggesting thank, it. It was thank you yeah um, it's it's very good to go back to these things and especially uh, the times we're currently having in the world it's just like nice and wholesome and like yeah actually there's so many great things and like going back to nature and yeah it's just fun yeah and it must be fun as someone that didn't get to watch much sort of uh, visual media in that sense to 
you must have watched this till the like VHS broke I imagine like over and over and over because I certainly would have done <laughs> yeah yeah definitely as as often as we were allowed to you know <laughs> yeah. we, we, we would watch those um those stories because yeah and and yeah it, it really made me think uh oh actually have I turned into someone with that value system because I was fed that so much yes. uh, and uh, because a lot of the values in there are really what I live by to this day mm -hmm. and the kind of like freedom I seek and the kind of like enjoyment of like jumping naked into a river or something like that I mean yeah. loads of people enjoy that but it's just um I was like oh actually yeah that really was fed to me from an early age and it was wholesome and nice it's, I keep repeating myself, but it is. But it, it, is it is. It's so wholesome. Like it really is. Like, and and this is the thing. Whilst being from a different culture, quite clearly in certain aspects, like I said, it does also feel so familiar. From I don't know if it would be the same if you grew up in the heart of a city. Uh, maybe it's because I grew up in the countryside that it felt like that. But it 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 felt like it could have been British at a time, but. I liked that it wasn't. I really did like that it wasn't. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to plug? I know, obviously, we're quarantined, so you might not be in any live plays, but... <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, well, I'm, I'm doing like online workshops and things. So far, no online performances, but um, you know, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you can do Nadia Methern. Luckily, for an actor, I'm the only person in the world with my name apparently, so <laughs> you will uh, find me if you Google. And um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, let me know on social media what you think of the episode. Otherwise, have a lovely time watching or reading Ronya and yeah. all the other Lindgren stories. Literally, I'm gonna order it on Amazon and read it because there's a nothing else to do, and b I just really, really like. I know I'm gonna love it. Do you know what I mean? Yay! <laughs> when you're just like, yes, that's a tick from me. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on the episode. I hope you had a good time. And we'll see you next time on Writer's Film. Bye! Bye! Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy Why This Film, why not head to iTunes and leave us a review? And you can now support Why This Film on Patreon from as little as one pound a month. Just head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast. You can find us on Facebook at why this film podcast, on Instagram at why this film podcast, and on Twitter at why this film pod. If you'd like to come on the show and talk about your favourite childhood movie, email into us at why this film podcast at gmail.com. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.
Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week, we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. What's up, guys and gals and everyone in between? This is Tess from Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast, the place where a fun gal like me dives into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. Join me every Wednesday as I review a new comic book topic with a fun guest. I don't know if you know this, but comic books rule, dude. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Why This Film Podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons one to three. You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. For £5 a month, you can join Fern Gully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Fern Gully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Ferngully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tiers, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. 
or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash why this film podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate and thanks to my patron David for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why This Film Podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies and I hope you do too.